Welcome to church. Great to see you this morning. Welcome to those of you joining us online. My name's Otto Ramos. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's my great privilege to greet you to church this morning. If this is one of your first times joining us today, we want to express a very special welcome to you, and would encourage you to check us out at vlchurch.com for those of you joining us online, and click on that banner and fill out the form that pops up for you, and we'll connect with you sometime this week. For those of you joining us here in person, uh, if you could take a communication card that can be found on the seat back in front of you and fill that out and come visit me afterwards in the Welcome Center, we have a free gift for you just for visiting with us this morning, but indeed, thanks for being with us today. Uh, Before we get started, I do want to make mention of the fact that we do have a lot of exciting moving parts today in our worship service this morning. We'll be uh, honoring two very important individuals to Victory Life Church uh, in a moment right after worship, and we're really excited to do that. Two individuals who are probably two of the best people you could ever imagine knowing in your lifetime, Uh, and uh, really looking forward to honoring Dale and Verna here in just a moment. You'll learn more about who they are. They are two individuals who have served Victory Life Church and the kingdom of God for many years. And you're going to get to know more about Dale and Verna Wagner here in just a minute. Also, when Pastor Matt comes up to share, he's going to be talking a lot about our Shine Your Light vision that we started in September. There's been a lot of ministry going on around this Shine Your Light uh, mission that we have this year. And we're excited to hear from him on all the things that God is doing through our Shine Your Light ministry initiative. So we're looking forward to hearing from that as well. Uh, As far as my announcements are concerned, I do have a few things for you this morning, not the least of which includes a reminder uh, that we are going to have a growth track starting uh, next Sunday. Growth track is for those of you that are relatively new to Victory Life Church, uh, for those of you that might want to make Victory Life Church your church home, and we would love for you to do that. We'd love for for you to be a part of our church family, and if you'd like to participate in growth track, as I mentioned, it's going to start next Sunday, January 15th. And it'll be during first service in room 307. Uh, Growth Track is a great way for you to find out what we believe as a church, how you can grow here at Victory Life Church in your faith, and how how you can get connected to service. If you want to use your gifts and talents to serve God and His kingdom, uh, Growth Track is a class where you can learn how to do that here at Victory Life, and we would love to have you participate in this class starting next week. To sign up, you can just go to our website and click on the banner that you see on the screen there that says Growth Track. Fill out that form, and you'll be registered, and we'd love to have you. Secondly, I want to make mention of the fact that we're going to be starting life groups in a couple of weeks uh, as you may know, life groups are smaller groups where, uh, that meet so that you can go deeper into God's Word and deeper into relationship with one another. We have life groups for men. We have life groups for women. We have life groups for both men and women. In fact, Pastor Matt's leading a life group entitled Communication and Conflict. I don't know about you. That sounds like a good one for me. And so if you'd like to sign up for any of these life groups, we also have another one. I want to make mention of a few more. We have one on hearing God's voice. Um, and would encourage you to really check that one out. And we also have various classes on books of the Bible, one on the book of Titus, a few on the book of Acts, and another one on the book of John. All of these happen throughout the week. We have some on Sunday mornings, some on Monday nights, some on Wednesday nights, all throughout the week. So you can check out our life groups by clicking on that banner that says Life Group Sign Up on our website, and uh, that'll take you straight to a page on our website that provides the details and all the information and descriptions of these life groups. 
on our, our website, as I made mention of just a moment ago. And you can sign up there as well when you get to that page. But we we'll really encourage you to sign up for a life group. We'll be promoting them over the next few weeks. If you have any questions about life groups, please reach out to us. I'd be happy to answer any questions that you might have about uh, what these are and how you can get involved and how you can get connected. Well, that's all I have this morning in the way of announcements. If you've come to worship the Lord Jesus uh, with your tithes and offerings, uh, you can give online through vlchurch.com backslash give, or you can text to give, or you can give as you exit the sanctuary this morning. But indeed, thank you for worshiping the Lord with your tithes and offerings today. I can ask you to stand this morning, and as you do so, uh, let's bow for a word of prayer together. Father God, thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you that you made it abundantly clear through the person of Jesus Christ that you want to know us, that you love us, and that you desire to have significant compassion upon us. And I pray, God, that as we worship you now, that we would feel your presence, that we would know that you are speaking to us, that we would know that you have a plan for us as we worship you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship him this morning. I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord today. We get to lift him up and thank him for all he's done. Oceans of kindness, wave after wave. Mercy arriving again and again. Your love will find us. You're never far away. Battles behind us, battles ahead. If God, you are for us, what stands against? We have this promise, you're never far away. We've seen your faithfulness. We see your faithfulness in the darkest night. We've seen your goodness, God. You are for us, what stands against. We have this promise, you're never far away. Oh, we see your faithfulness in the darkest night. We see your goodness, God, your favor on our lives. Everywhere we go, your grace is on us. Baby
glad. I'm so glad this morning because I need it every day. I think about where I've been the week before, where I've been the month and the year before, and I need God's grace and his faithfulness. And today we have it. We're going to continue to sing this morning as we anchor ourselves on our cornerstone, Jesus Christ. blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly trust in Jesus name let's declare this truth again my hope is built my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus us blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly trust in Jesus name is he your rock this morning is he your cornerstone Christ alone cornerstone weak made strong in the Savior's love, through the storm, He is Lord. Yes, you are Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale it doesn't separate us anymore my anchor holds within the
come with trumpet sounds. Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless stand before the throne. Thank you, Lord. Let's just declare that one more time. He's our rock. He's our cornerstone. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord of all. He is our rock. He's our cornerstone this morning. And if you declared that and you believe that, then you have every right to call upon his name and say, God, I need you to step into my life. And that's exactly what we're going to do in this next song is say, oh, God, my God, I need you. And this morning you might be thinking about songs where we declare things like that and say, I'm not in a moment of desperation in my life. I'm not dealing with something physically or mentally. I don't need to sing that song. I don't need to cry out in desperation for the Lord. Well, some of us do this morning. And if you have a cry of desperation to the Lord this morning, that's a beautiful thing. Because he wants to step into your need and wants to step into your life. But if you're, if you're doing well and you don't think you have a reason to cry out this morning, I want to give you permission to get rid of that thought. A song like this is saying, oh God, oh God, I need you. Every day, every moment, step into my life lead my steps and guide me I know that I came to meet with the Lord today because he wants to be with me and I want to be with him so this morning I'm going to cry out oh God my God I need you because I want to feel his presence I want to be in his presence because I know in his presence good things happen and they can for you too so let's continue to sing this morning and worship him and call upon his presence in this place. I'm calling on the God of Jacob Whose love endures through generations I know that you will keep your covenant I'm calling on the God of Moses The one who opened up the ocean I need you now to do the same thing for me. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages. I'm standing on your faithfulness. 
I'm calling on the God of Mary, whose favor rests upon the lowly. I know with you all things are possible. I'm calling on the God of
are the same God. You never change. You never fail. Every day the same. Oh, if we only call upon your name, Lord. that we see in the scriptures is that men called upon the name of the Lord. They recognized that they could not do this life without you. And in calling upon your name, they called upon a power and a favor that they did not have in and of themselves. So Lord, we call upon your strength today both for the circumstances in our life that are untenable. And we call upon your name today for the church, the needs of God's people, and our mission in the world. For without your power and without your favor, we can do nothing. Holy Spirit, fill us now, we pray. Make us suitable for the work that you've called us to that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, once again, welcome to Victory Life Church this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. We are so glad that you are worshiping with us this morning. And as Pastor Otto mentioned, this is a special day for us here at Victory Life Church. And you always know it's special when I come to the floor. And uh, there's a reason for that this morning. But we, as Pastor Otto mentioned, are honoring two wonderful people today because we are marking a retirement of sorts here at the church. Almost as long as there has been a Victory Life Church, there has been an elder and his wife who are Dale and Verna Wagner. 
Elders are charged with the spiritual oversight of the church. Now think about that for a minute. Elders are charged with the spiritual oversight of the church. That is a daunting task. Because folks who are elders say unto the Lord in their church, I will live according to the standard of the scripture so that I can hold others to the standard of the scripture. In fact, I will hold myself to an even higher standard because I am to lead God's flock. I'll pray with the sick. I'll counsel the downtrodden. I'll disciple God's people. I'll confront the sinful. I'll speak truth to power. I'll protect the congregation when pastors get weird. And I'll protect the pastors when congregants get weird. Dale and Verna have taken all of these roles to heart. Um, Dale let us know in the middle of this year that after 33 years, he would be stepping down as an active elder here at Victory Life Church as of December 31st, 2022. And today we wanted to take a few minutes to honor Dale and Verna, who are not leaving us as a church and whose ministry is not over, but whose active eldership has ceased. Because Dale and Verna have helped to shepherd this church in these last 33 years through the ups and the downs, the triumph and the heartache that we often experience in the church world. And therefore, I don't want to be the only one to pay tribute to them today. We have a few people who wanted to pay tribute as well. And therefore, I would ask you at this time to direct your attention to the screen for a few other people who wanted to weigh in on what Dale and Verna have meant to Victory Life Church. Thank you. 
We didn't give any of our three uh, tribute givers any specifications for what they could say or should say about Dale and Verna, but I noticed all three of them started with the gospel, started with the Lord Jesus, and that's what the church is about. It's not about, as Dale will often tell us, it's not about our preferences, and it isn't a country club. It's about the gospel, and uh, unbidden, all three of those presentations talked about how when people serve the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, the gospel moves forward. And Dale and Verna have certainly uh, moved the gospel forward here. We do have some things in tribute to them today. We have a beautiful picture that we commissioned, which is Proverbs 3, 3, that says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. And that's what Dale and Verna have been to so many of us for so long, an example of Christ's love and his faithfulness, and, of course, you don't do a nice presentation like this without flowers. So we have those two. Um, Dale and Verna, they're sitting back there if you don't know them. I'm going to have them stand in just a moment. You have blessed us with your wisdom. You have encouraged our relationships with the Lord Jesus. You have had what can only be described as Holy Spirit-inspired guts because you have spoken truth to so many who needed to hear it both in those beautiful prayer meetings and services where it's easy and when people are being real stinkers and they need to hear the truth from someone who loves them more than they love their own sense of comfort. You've emboldened us with your encouragement. We as a staff have rested in your faithfulness to the church. You have submitted to the leadership of pastors less than half your age, which is an honor to the Lord, not those pastors, but an honor to the Lord and to the scriptures. You've prayed for the sick. You've visited the infirm. You have fed God's sheep spiritually and physically. So today, because you have been surrogate spiritual father and mother to so many of us in this body, it's our responsibility to rise up and call you blessed. Dale and Verna, would you stand today? And Victory Life, will you thank the Lord for Dale and Verna with me? Thank you. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Well, let's just have a word of prayer as we transition our service today and remind ourselves that an example is set before us and that the Lord has the opportunity to make of us what he wants us to be. Would you bow your heads and pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your wisdom and your leadership and your guidance. You bring folks across our path in this journey of faith to remind us, Lord, that we are to serve you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So, Lord, I pray that we would all find exactly what you have called us to do and do it with faithfulness and love for the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, young disciples, you may be dismissed at this time. So long. Farewell. Auf Wiedersehen. Adieu. We'll see you soon. All right, you old disciples, you can turn your Bibles with me today, if you would be so willing, to Matthew chapter 5, as we do a little review this morning 
of where we have been these last four months as a church. I'm excited to do this with you today. Many of you have watched that counter up on the wall that's out in the lobby go up, 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 up over the past few months. You may or may not know that that counter is a counter for something we call pray and go, which is an opportunity that we gave folks in this church to participate in at the end of September. We began early October, so about three months. And this pray and go thing is real simple. People go out into neighborhoods that are assigned around the church and begin to pray for the houses in that neighborhood looking for divine appointments. We thought it'd be really neat this year as we have encouraged you to shine your light if we'd actually shine our light in places that we haven't been previously. Like every street in Cuyahoga Falls and Stowe and Hudson, wherever the uh, perimeter of VLC is or a certain radius is out from this building, we thought it'd be good to get there. Let people know that we're here, pray for them, leave a door hanger, tell them we're happy to have prayed for them. If they ever want to get in contact, we're there for them. And just by way of introduction this morning, before we get into Matthew chapter 5, I wanted to share with you some of the really neat testimonies that have come forward from Pray and Go. Would that be all right? Just give you a few testimonies in the first three months. David and Sandy, who were out on their route, came across a man who had fallen and was calling for his wife, who didn't hear him. And he was out there, and he needed help, like in a physical sense, immediately. And there were David and Sandy to help pick him up. I'm not going to give last names this morning because we're live streaming and there's a number of people who are in witness protection here at the church. I'm kidding. But anyhow, <laughs> I'm not going to use last names. But uh, they, they've been saying we were able to pray for that man, also prayed for another man when they were out on their right. Dennis and Donna reported that they got to pray with two people and got to invite someone here to church, prayed for another person who had back problems. Uh, Jacob and Christina took their kids out with them, all four of their kids, and they wanted to teach them about the power of prayer. At first, their kids didn't want to pray at all. But as they started to go through the list, the kids got praying for the people in their community. Mom and dad were thrilled. Because what can be better than teaching your children that there is power in prayer and that God and his Holy Spirit can do amazing things in the lives of others? Mike and Melissa reported, we absolutely love this opportunity to pray for our community. Our children loved it too. Joan reported that she and Tom met and prayed with a guy over in Cuyahoga Falls who unpacked his entire life story and said he'd be coming by with his daughter because he needed to get into church. They had another good conversation with a man who saw them going around in the neighborhood and was hoping they'd stop and talk to him. Imagine that. Someone looking for connections, so they stopped and Talk to this gentleman. Angela, Debbie, and Kristen said they got to pray with two different people. One who mentioned that they needed healing for their kidneys and another one who was mourning the loss of a friend. Jackie and Joanne talked to a lady who said something to the effect of, I'm so glad to finally meet some folks from that church. I notice it when I drive by. Nathan and Megan offered to pray for someone who didn't want prayer. So he walked away and they prayed for him anyways. Many people reported people thanking them for praying in their community and praying over them. Of course, we reported to you months ago that on the very first pray-and-go route, there was a man who needed help because of a hip surgery, and he had no help in home. And it just so happened that our pray-and-goers violated all the rules to help him and adopted a cat in the process, which was not a stated goal of pray-and-go. But we are happy to have a mascot who is now known as Pray and Go Sally. That's the cat. 
Many people reported, as I mentioned, people thanking them for praying. And perhaps my favorite one is a lady stopped one of our teams and said, just so you know, I'm praying too. We're shining our light into places. We're making ourselves available to people who would not otherwise get a connection or a touch point. And we're watching God give us opportunity. Now, I have to report to you, my family went without incident, meaning no one talked to us, no one said a word to us, but we prayed over homes anyhow. And we left that door hanger that said, we're from Victory Life, we loved you enough to pray for you. If you have any prayer needs, let us know at this email and we'll continue to pray for you. But it was powerful nonetheless, because once again, five children stopped in front of houses and prayed and said, Holy Spirit, would you do a work in the life of this person? And we know that nothing happens but by the Holy Spirit of God. And that touch point can go on into a place where someone comes to know Jesus Christ. So Pray and Go is still available for those of you who may want to be a part. And our Pray and Go director, Kim and Jack, they're going to be out there after uh, church today. If you want to find out more about how Pray and Go works and perhaps become part of the team, you can do that today. But I just wanted to give you some updates about how we're shining our light collectively, right? Now, there's a number of initiatives, numbers of, number of things that the Lord has given us that we're trying to accomplish as a church in the next eight months now, the, the last eight months of this Shine Your Light vision. Many things that we believe God can do through us in the months to come. But let me ask you, after having walked with me, most of you, through Matthew the Evangelist, a series that lasted three months, and heard about shining your light, how is your light this morning? Is it shining? Is it bright? Is it on a stand? Is it under a bushel? Does it need polished? Is the switch disconnected from the power source? What's going on with your light today? Because we've been focusing on this for quite some time. Many months ago, at the beginning of September, I quoted this to you. I said, you are so important to the work of Christ in the world that he gives you both his mission and his title. He's given it to you. Not, 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 not just us, not, not just the church, but the individuals that make up the church. We talked about the crowd that Jesus was speaking to in Matthew chapter 5 when he said, you are the light of the world. He was speaking to the masses, Folks who were primarily poor and uneducated, who didn't have all the smarts in the world, who didn't have all of, the, all of the background and basis for going and convincing people that Jesus was the Christ, yet somehow the church has moved forward from that initial group of people who believed with all their heart that they had the mission of Christ and the title of Christ given to them. John tells us that Jesus is the light of the world in John chapter 1. Luke tells us in Luke chapter 1 and 2 that Jesus came to bring light into the world. Matthew in chapter 4 tells us that Jesus came to bring light into the world. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us that we are to bring light into the world. Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, Colossians chapter 1 and 3, he agrees as well that Jesus is to bring light into the world. And of course, we know that Jesus himself was called the light of the world, and he calls us the same. We truly have, on the basis of Scripture, both the mission and the title of Christ given to us. I hope to show you that today, again from Matthew chapter 5. And if you want to put a finger or a bookmark in 1 Peter chapter 2 as well, I'm going to show you where the Scriptures are in agreement. Because Jesus wants us invested. 
in that which he is invested in. Are you in Matthew chapter 5 as we do a little bit of review today? You might have heard this before. I know most of you have because we read it before in the second week of September. You are the salt of the earth, said Jesus. But if the salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on a lamp stand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, I just want to focus on that very last statement, that glory to your Father in heaven. Does the unsaved, unredeemed, un- or, or lost masses of people, do they give glory to God? Does the average human being who does not yet know Christ give glory to God? Certainly not. They give glory to themselves. They give glory to the favorite show that they're binge-watching. They, they give glory to experiences that you can have on earth, but they certainly don't give glory to God. So when Jesus says they're going to see your good deeds in the light that you're shining and give glory to God, he is speaking, as we mentioned, months ago of salvation. They're recognizing that God should be the recipient of all glory and all honor and all praise and that some conversion here has taken place in the life of this person. Jesus is saying if we are the light of the world, if we all are the salt of the earth, then there will be previously unconverted souls who will know him and give glory and praise and honor where glory and praise and honor are due. This is what Jesus is getting at. So once again, I ask you, how's your light? Are you salty? Now, some of you are salty, but your saltiness has nothing to do with wit or wisdom, which is what saltiness implied in the New Testament world. Your saltiness is just based on being a Northeast Ohio sports fan. That's why you're salty. Or maybe you're salty about the weather, but, 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 but the saltiness that Jesus is speaking about is wisdom. You have the wisdom that the world needs, that the unconverted masses need to hear. Recently, I was in a prayer meeting, and one of the prayer folks who was quoting from an older, older version of the Bible said, we are a peculiar people. And I thought, yes, we are. And, and I don't mean that in a negative sense. I mean it in that our message and our aims are peculiar. Our message is that Jesus is the Savior of the world, that nobody can enter heaven upon the merit of their own good deeds. But that someone came and, and became a perfect sacrifice for their sins so that they could be made new and be granted ev- entrance into eternal life. That is a peculiar message. That is the wisdom of God. It's not the wisdom of man. But it is exactly what the world needs to hear, that Jesus has come to save people. We are a peculiar people and that the wisdom that we have to share is not the wisdom of the world, but it does need sharing. And of course, Jesus calls us the light of the world, people who should draw people closer to God. And you don't light a lamp and put it under a bushel basket, says Jesus. You put it on a stand for all people to see and to be drawn to. And he equates that saltiness and he equates that light-giving with the concept of the works that we will do in order to prove salty and in order to give light. I find it interesting that Jesus, when giving us these incredible word pictures as to who we are to be, 
make sure that there's a threat inherent in each one of our mission and title. If we are the salt of the earth, the threat inherent is that we lose our saltiness. There's a threat that we won't have the wit and wisdom that the world needs from God and that we will have the light and be recipients of the light, but we will not be purveyors of the light, that we'll hide that light under a basket, that we will sit in the monastery here together, put up the walls and say, well, the light is in here. Come all that may, but never shine the light up on a hill or put it in a place for other people to see it. You see, that's what shine your light is all about. It's recognizing that we have received the light of the world. We were the people that were living in darkness that have seen a great light through our Lord Jesus Christ, but the risk is that we will take that light and keep it in here and say, aren't you glad we all have the light? Let's read another verse about the light, sing another song about the light, while the walls between us and the world get higher and higher, and therefore the light becomes obscured and then eventually hid. In fact, this is the risk of the American church, to the American church. The risk to the American church is not the undulations of society. I know that we sometimes feel that way. I know that we sometimes feel society's changing so quickly and things are moving in, in a direction that are so far from Judeo-Christian morals and, and that's the real risk to the church. And I want to tell you that while that poses a problem for us, it's not the risk to the church. The risk to the church is internal. And it's the risk that we're going to take the light of Jesus and put it away for only those who already have the light to see. That's the risk to the church. Jesus understood that wisdom cannot be wisdom unless it is expressed, and light cannot serve its purpose if it is hidden. I'm going to say that one more time because it's not going to come up on the screen for you today. Wisdom cannot be wisdom unless it is expressed, and light cannot serve its purpose if it is hidden. This is what Jesus said when giving us his mission and his title, giving you and I that mission and title. So for four months, we talked about every time that the book of Matthew spoke something to us about being the light of the world, about being the salt of the earth. We learned that we were fishers of men, that in being God's servants on this earth, it was a worthy and noble thing if it got hard to preach about Jesus, teach about Jesus, be open about Jesus. He said, blessed are you if you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. We learn that when we go out into the highways and byways, sometimes centurions come to know Jesus, folks who are on the other side of the political spectrum than we are. Sometimes tax collectors become Christians too, people who are completely immoral and unethical and don't seem to have a path to righteousness. We learn that Jesus sees the masses as sheep without a shepherd, yet sees the earth itself as a place where a harvest is ready to be righteous, or a harvest is ready to be harvested. We learn that good soil, folks who really knew Jesus, would yield fruit 30 and 60 and 100 fold. We learn that Jesus has extra bread for us to carry to the world. We learn that we are to take up our cross and follow him. And in many of the parables, in the latter part of Matthew, and maybe most important for us today, we learn that the Lord Jesus wants to find us doing what he told us to be doing when he returns. Parable after parable after parable, will I find you 
doing what I told you to do on the day that I return. That's my question to you today. How's your light? If Jesus returned today, would he find you shining it? Would all the prayers that have been prayed for you, all the lessons that have been prepared for you, all the sermons heard by you, and all the church activity in which you have participated have its natural goal, which is that you would go and tell the story. You would shine your light. You would be an ambassador for Jesus Christ on earth. Peter was sitting in the crowd that day as Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And to the next generation of Christians, he wanted to reiterate that same message. He wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and following, to the next generation of Christians, generation two, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may, catch this, proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, 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 there's only one in the Greek, there was three here. I urge you, as sojourners and exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the non-Christians honorable. And that's a good translation, by the way. Honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. Boy, it's as if Peter had heard Jesus, isn't it? Do you see the link? See, Peter's writing this 30, perhaps even 40 years later from the moment that Jesus said it, yet the sentiments are exactly the same. You've been called into the light, therefore proclaim what you've been called to, and even though the world is hostile towards you, do that which is good so that what? People who were previously unconverted and unconvinced this time would glorify God, not just in general, like turn their lives to God, but when Jesus returns, they would be ready. Peter puts the end time spin on it, doesn't he? He's ready for Jesus' return. He wants to make sure that we're doing the deeds necessary so that others will be ready for the return. Now, that's interesting. We see the link of glory between Matthew chapter 5 and 1 Peter chapter 2. We see the link of light. He's called you into his marvelous light. Therefore, you proclaim the excellencies of Christ. That's what you do. And we see, ooh, about to use a dirty word in church, we see the link of works, deeds. Now, works and deeds, that's a dirty word in church because we know that we're not saved through works, are we? We're not saved through our deeds. We're not saved through the things that we do. We could never do enough to earn salvation. That is basic Christian doctrine 101. That's why Jesus had to come. But, 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 but on the other side of salvation, once we know Christ, what are we called to? Works. We're called to deeds. Not necessarily even to confirm our salvation, not to, not to even necessarily prove our salvation. <laughs> we do have a biblical author named James that says, you want to know that I have faith? Watch what I do. Watch my deeds. Watch my works, right? 
But what are we called to both by Jesus and Peter when it comes to shining our light? To do something. To do works that would put people in position to be converted and glorify God. Here's the mind blower. This is just, this, this, you're going you're gonna to fly out the back of the building when you hear this. You can't shine your light without doing any deeds. <laughs> right? I mean, it's amazing. You don't know how far I had to dive into the Greek language to discover that. I didn't have to dive in at all. I didn't have to get in the kiddie pool. I didn't have to put my feet in the kiddie pool. I didn't have to get up off the chase lounge to get to the point where just a simple reading of Scripture says, if you're going to shine your light for Jesus so that people would come to glorify God, you have to do something. Like, do something. Deeds something. Make a plan, Stan, right? It's what you got. You got to do something. And this is the cognitive disconnect between wanting to shine our light and shining our light. Not just the cognitive disconnect, the cognitive disconnect that leads to an actual disconnect, right? Well, I'll just shine my light. Just be me. I gotta be me. And just by being me, by osmosis, people will come to Jesus. How's that working out? I mean, it might have worked for like two of you. It hasn't worked for me. You can't just, I gotta be me, I'll just be me. And then people, they'll see the light and it'll be good. No, there, we, are in, we are encouraged, exhorted, urged to do something with our urge to be the light. So I ask you again today, how's your light? And what are you doing? Now I know the cynical among us would say, he just wants me to join pray and go. No, Why, that'd be great, but not if the Lord hasn't called you to do that. I don't care, truly. Truly, we knew that a lot of you would want to do that, and we think that that's great, but, but that's, that's just a very simple and turnkey way to be a light on behalf of the church and of Christ. It's just simple. It's not, it's not next level. It's not getting down deep into the weeds with somebody and leading them to Jesus. We understand that. It's just a good, good practice to get outside the doors of the church to be a light. Just a good practice to think about, right? But we have other initiatives that are out there because we thought, well, well there's folks that have been prayed for and, and learned and they have studied the scriptures and they have been in life groups and they have been in Bible studies and they have been in prayer meetings and they are, they are full of, of salt. And therefore, let's challenge them to do something with all that saltiness. Four of you already have taken up the task of leading a Bible study or a prayer group that is not in the church or designed for church people. Think about that. A Bible study and a prayer group that's not in the church, nor is it designed for church people. But you took the risk to go out and say, I'm going to invite folks who are not currently, catch this, glorifying God, whose hearts and minds aren't where they ought to be, they're not serving the Lord, and I'm going to see in my workplace or in my neighborhood or in my apartment building, as some have done, if anybody will come and study the Bible with me and pray with me, who does not yet know Jesus? shocking people have come P people have showed up to bible studies and prayer groups who don't yet know jesus because they're searching for connection and they're groping in the dark to try to find the light and, and, and so so today if you'd say you know what that really piques my interest but i don't know how i'd get started well there's this crazy verse in ephesians 
that tells us that we pastors are supposed to equip people for the work of the ministry. So, so if you would want to do that and say, I'd, I'd take the risk to invite my neighbors or my coworkers to a Bible study or a prayer group, Pastor Otto's going to stand out there at a table today and say, yes, let's set up a time to talk because we've already equipped people to do this and it's going well. We can do this. We're, we're going to have another table out there in the lobby today. Catch this. This is, this is crazy. We always do these VBSs, you know, Vacation Bible School. Dozens, if not hundreds of kids descend upon the campus of the church. We give them popsicles and the Bible, and it seems to work, right? This year, we're going to take, our goal is to take five of these Vacation Bible, we're going to call them adventure camps, not onto this property, but into our neighborhoods and invite people into your backyard. Well, at least five of your backyards, Right now, today, we're looking for hosts where, where you could say, I, I will make a snack and open my home and let the team from the church show up and do a VBS in my backyard. How about you? How about you? They, they'd come to your neighborhood and do a VBS for the children of your neighborhood. And you're like, well, I don't have a backyard, but I love VBS. Well, why don't you go to the table that has the beautiful light-up rocket? Didn't know we'd have a light-up rocket today. Apparently, it's a comet space theme this year. You can go to that table and say, well, I don't have the home for it, but I would love to do recreation for that. I'd love to be the Bible teacher for that. I'd love to do games for that. Can I be part of the team that takes these VBSs into different neighborhoods? Can I be part of the advanced team that invites people? Yeah. Yeah, you could. Like any of you, after passing a background check, any of you, right? Could be part of our, I'm not kidding about the background check. I'm not kidding about that. Any of you. You're like, I won't pass a background check. Then don't sign up. It'll get awkward. All right? But you can do that. You can do that. Now, listen, those are just a couple of things that we're doing as a church to encourage you to shine your light. But some of you, that doesn't move the needle for you at all, and we get it, right? It doesn't move the needle. That's fine. That's fine. My question to you is, how are you going to shine your light then? You don't have to do what we're doing. In fact, I prefer you don't do anything that originated in my brain or Pastor Otto's brain or AJ's brain or Jody's brain. It'd be great if you did what the Holy Spirit planted in your heart, right? That's what we're after. When you leave today, our ushers are going to have a Bible study for you, a two-page Bible study that's just called a Shine Your Light Bible study. We handed these out in September. It would take you literally maybe one hour to just read, ask God the questions in prayer, and write some things down and see what God might call you to do. Once again, because we pastors, that crazy verse in, in Ephesians chapter 5 says that we're supposed to equip the people for the work of the ministry. What if for those of you who are married, you sat down with your spouse at lunch today and said, hey, can we take a few minutes and just brainstorm with the Lord about how we would shine our light in the year 2023? What could we do that would be really practical for us to move people one step closer to glorifying God? Maybe it's something very simple. Like, yeah, I have an office. What if I put up a little sign like this? We'll even find you the calligrapher. What if I put up a little sign like this that says, I'd love to pray for you if you ever need it, just ask. And I put that on the office wall. And imagine what conversations I could get into with coworkers if I just made it known that I believe in Jesus Christ 
and I'd pray for them. Imagine, imagine. Imagine for, for just a moment what it would mean if, if instead of just bowing down, and I'm talking to myself now, just bowing down to our children's sports leagues, if we like made an actual plan to talk to the other parents in that sports leagues, in that sport league about our church, about Jesus, maybe even invite them to a barbecue or a hangout and introduce them to some of our Christian friends or, oh boy, even invited them to one of these adventure camps. Imagine that. Imagine what would happen if the people of God, just in, just in this service, in this church, all got really inspired to take one active step, one, to shining our light in a greater way this year. What might happen? What might happen if just a few of you sign up for our next workshop, which is what we do year in and year out to make sure that people who want to talk about Jesus feel equipped and competent and confident to talk about who Jesus is and what he's done in the world. We'll be offering a workshop shortly. What are you going to do to shine your light? As I said, mentioned to you today, the Lord Jesus gives you his mission and his title. And he can't imagine what you're doing if you're the salt of the world and you're not being salty. And he can't imagine what you're up to if you're the light of the world and your light is hidden. Let's make a plan for him today. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, plans are scary because they are the place in which intention begins to become reality. Therefore, if the enemy of our souls could do anything today, he would say, don't make a plan. Just wait for the next divine appointment. Don't actively think about shining your light. Just expect that it will happen one day. Lord, I think you were far more planned than that. In fact, you're a God who plans. You're a God who purposes. And you're a God who has the power to bring your purposes to bear. Therefore, I know for each and every one of us today, you have a plan. And you have a purpose for us that we can use our unique gifts and talents for you. I pray, pray that you would bring your plan and your purpose for each one of us to bear. Lord, may we not be stagnant, doing lots of activity, but not the primary thing. May we not be scared to step out in faith with you. And Lord, may we not fall into the trap to say to make a plan is to not be spirit-filled. Oh, Lord, let us not fall into that trap. Let us say to ourselves in truth to make a plan with you is one of our highest callings. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us to do so today. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, would you stand today? As I mentioned, our ushers will be staring you down as you walk out the doors today to see if you're going to take one of those calling worksheets, and if you don't, they'll be reporting to me. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Many of you already have a plan. You're already shining your light. There's no, this is the no judgment zone, us in Planet Fitness. And so, but I do encourage you, if you don't have a plan and you would be open to making a plan with the Lord, grab one of those worksheets today, one of those Bible studies on your way out and do it this week. Say, Lord, I want to be more intentional with you. I want to encourage you that those are, there are tables in the lobby today if you want to 
engaged in any of the plans that we as a church have made with the Lord, whether it be a neighborhood VBS, talking with Pastor Otto about leading a prayer group or a Bible study group in your school or your home or your workplace. And then finally, of course, if you're interested in praying, go, you can stop there too. And last but not least, we would love to see you in a life group in the next couple of weeks. And as Pastor Otto mentioned, they're available on the website. So while you're sitting at the office or somebody else's office waiting for an appointment this week, hop on your phone, hop on our website and sign up for one so you can hang out with us. Lord, bless your people and send us from this place to be a blessing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.